Welcome to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. I am host Nate with my co-hosts Andy and Zach. Today we're going to be discussing the 20-13 beatdown Nebraska took to the Minnesota Golden Gophers over the weekend. And uh, really, kind of another tale of two halves, I suppose you could say. <laughs> we uh, we keep deciding to do that and not play a full game, which is unfortunate, but uh, I think just more of a reality than anything we're going to see for the rest of the season. Um, there were some, some bright spots in their defense, at least held their own for the most part. Gave up 20 points, but I'm sure they were probably tired down the stretch, and I, I can't say it's necessarily 100% on them uh, when the offense can't move the ball for six or seven drives at a time. Uh, but that kind of play is going to plague us for likely the next three games. we got a lot to clean up still. Um, it was... Not even just things on the field. There were some coaching things that uh, just really seemed off this week. And so a lot to talk about, but I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach for any of his quick initial thoughts here. Yeah. Uh, For me, I think a really good way to sum up the game is that Corona commercial with Snoop Dogg and Andy Samberg where Snoop says, "Uh, your rhymes were incredible. Lee bad. That's exactly how the game was. I was. I remember thinking to myself while watching the game through the first first half, at least, thinking like, "Wow, this could be a positive episode next." You know, when we record it, and uh, I I knew I should have just not said anything because it seems like after I say that, apparently the team hears it or something, and they're like, mm, "We can't have that now, can we?" So, I thought we established that Mickey was a listener of the podcast, Zach. So maybe <laughs> maybe he just took your word and be like, yep, these guys know what they're talking about, team. You know what to do. So maybe in a uh, way, Zach, you jinxed us. Yeah, okay. I <laughs> if, that's, if that's what happened, then I suppose I'll, uh, I'll own that. But Makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to point out, that I don't play or coach, so I am not taking any blame for this. But uh, I don't really have any quick thoughts. Good, I or not any good ones anyway. Um, you know, I thought we looked really good. I was actually kind of impressed that we started off as good as we did with how slow the drive was, which we can get more into. But I just remember thinking, like, oh, if we start playing Minnesota ball, maybe we'll take them out of their element. And then we played, then I forgot that we're Nebraska and that we don't do that. We play, we play two halves of a full game, maybe if we're lucky. So, um, not a good game, not a fun one to watch up after basically the second quarter started. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was pretty dejected after the game. Cause I was like, this is the one that we could maybe finally see the, not the corner turned by any means, but I, I thought maybe this would be where we'd actually get to where we got some of that confidence back and maybe had a shot, maybe had a shot at uh, going bowling. But now that seems like it's going to be a rough, rough get, but I'll leave it there and I'll give it to Andy for your quick thoughts, my man. Yeah. So I was at the game and kind of through the first quarter and most of the second quarter, you know, I was 
have just screaming, having a fun time because, you know, Nebraska started doing good things. And I'm like, man, I could kind of start to feel my voice go already. And I'm like, oh, you know, if I have to lose my voice because we win this game, I mean, like, it'll be totally worth it. And then like we've touched on already, then the everything after kind of the second quarter and beyond just was a giant, uh, giant bowl of poop, essentially. Uh, it was, it was, there's, I don't know a better analogy to describe that, but uh, that's just, that's what was presented in terms of what we got the rest of the game. Um, it seemed like there is still just, I feel like there's still a disconnect between Mickey and Whipple of what they both want. Even though Mickey said after the game that they were on the same page, that might be just coach speak. I don't truly think they're still on the same page because there's, from what we saw, it is very evident that Logan is the better quarterback in this situation. And we'll dive in more into deep uh, specifics when we start going through the game here. But did someone ask them, you know, you can be on the same page, but were they in the same book? Right. Because it doesn't yeah. look like they are. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, Whatever, whatever they say that you know, just put up a wall to make it seem like they're all buddy buddy. I know we touched on it last week. I'm like, Mickey didn't bring in these coaches, so you know it's all. I mean, it's okay to have differences in opinion and coaching staff. I mean, that's just Mickey didn't bring these guys in. It's just what was given to him. But I think I think Saturday showed very clear that uh, whatever was promised to us in practice about Chubba being a better quarterback and a better passer was uh, not it, to say the least. Um, You know, I I get that there are differences in quarterback style, whether you whether they keep saying that, oh, Chubba is more the passer and Logan's more the runner. Uh, Logan made some pretty good throws, I think. You know, most notably the uh, the Marcus Washington catch that kind of got us into field goal range late in the game. Um, I mean, that looked like a pretty good ball throw. Marcus made an incredible catch on the sideline too. So I kind of looked at that and I was like, you know, what throws are Chubba making that Logan is not making? Because to me, that looked like a pretty good throw that... I have not seen Shubba make and Shubba threw the interception into like triple coverage uh, late in the third quarter. That was kind of a backbreaking play because uh, Minnesota came down and scored uh, a few plays later with Mo. But overall uh, was excited at first. And I kind of, I kind of had the sinking feeling uh, when the offense started to stall in the second half of reminiscence of last year's Iowa game where we came out, smacked them early, got a lot of momentum in the stadium, but then all of a sudden everything just kind of shifted the other way. And it wasn't as much as like, Oh, the block punt last year against Iowa kind of shifted the whole like feeling of the game. It wasn't like one of those plays uh, that Minnesota made. It was just more of, you could feel the momentum shift after the offense started stalling. And I think we'll talk about more of the defense later. I kind of think in hindsight, knocking Tanner Morgan out of the game was a bad decision <laughs> on our part. Not that you could control, like you're not going to tell your defensive line, don't go get the sack. Like obviously you're going to tell them to go get that. But after he took that third sack at the end of the half, uh, you know what Nate had, cause I was uh, Nate had set up at the, 
they had said on the broadcast that Tim Morgan went out with an undisclosed injury, which I think they later said was some sort of shoulder injury. So I'm sure it's just how he landed after he got sacked. But, you know, hindsight now, probably not a good decision to knock out their quarterback because they were not doing anything with Tanner Morgan. And as we saw, their backup, freshman backup, nonetheless, torched us. Um, so that's also another thing is how much did, you know, they not prepare for him on defense considering it's not like they didn't have film because he had played the Illinois game after Tanner Morgan went out with a concussion too. So it's not like they didn't have any sort of film on the backup quarterback. Um, especially cause I think he played all of the Rutgers game last week when Minnesota played. So I don't. I don't see how the defense didn't prepare for both quarterbacks either um, because those two long pass plays were, well, the second one was a broken coverage play, but the first one, I mean, Harzog, I don't know if I blame Harzog a hundred percent because he kind of outran the receiver um, on that big pass play. The ball was underthrown because he was throwing into the wind. And I think Harzog just kind of overran it thinking the ball was going to go past him. And obviously the receiver adjusted, you know, as a freshman cornerback too, that's something you just have to preach to them as, you know, you have to adjust as well with the receiver, but uh, you know, not fun. Like I know we've talked about before. We love making backup quarterbacks and making other teams look like they're the best team on the field at any given time. Uh, So those are just a couple of my quick initial thoughts. Uh, Not, not a great, showing past the second quarter for the Nebraska team. And I think that just kind of leaves us all wondering and lingering, you know, what really is the future for Mickey? What's the future for this team? What's the future for these players? Because right now, whatever's out there is not the answer, but it's also just a all big gray area of where do we go from here? But with that, we'll pass it to Nate and kind of get good with the offense here. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> Not a whole <laughs> heck of a lot good to talk about offensive wise, except for uh, Anthony Grant going out there and making a living. Twenty one carries, one hundred fifteen yards, really kept us in the game when we uh, needed it and needed big plays. Um, there were times when he was taken out when he had some momentum. I know we were talking about earlier, and it was kind of baffling to see why or understand why. Um, he was taken out, but uh, I guess that is part of the Whipple game plan, which we'll probably get a, a little more into as we uh, dive into this episode. But uh, initially, things looked great uh, on Saturday morning, about 11 a.m. <laughs> a little chilly start to the game, but we had a really good first drive on offense. Uh, everything seemed to be clicking pretty well. Everyone was making plays. Chubb Purdy actually looked like a respectable backup quarterback and then he ran it in for a touchdown uh, to kind of seal that drive and thought hey we might be on to something <laughs> for once again but uh little little did we know <laughs> but it didn't really last Chuba, you know first quarter was all right but then rest of the game just not great what he was Six for 16 for 41 yards, which is not going to win you a whole lot. 
<laughs> a whole lot of games. Um, had the one interception that was just very, very know, crucial. Any, any triple coverage, not not a great play, not a great read, and yeah, as I said, just kind of backbreaking. <laughs> so clearly, Chuba probably not the answer at quarterback. We we desperately missed Casey out there. Uh, just his playmaking abilities, his ability to get outside the pocket when we need to, and his ability to uh, really make make big plays and escape, <laughs> which you need to do with this offensive line, unfortunately. And speaking of the offensive line, still a candidate to be fired into the sun, I would say. <laughs> but the exciting of- part is that we've got more than one candidate this week. We do. We'll later, <laughs> but we've got more than one, one candidate for fire into the sun this week. So... <laughs> Exciting week, this one. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually we did get uh, Logan Smothers in there. And when he was in, honestly, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. It wasn't necessarily a perfect game by any means by Logan Smothers, but he was at least willing to make some bigger plays. Um, seemed a little more comfortable out there and looked like what a backup should <laughs> someone that knows, knows the offense looks a little competent, but uh, can't necessarily execute everything, but can still, you know, at least keep game script manageable. And he really kept us in the game down the stretch. We had the big pass to Marcus Washington for I believe 30 some yards. Great, great catch by Marcus Washington, but ultimately ended in the Trey Palmer drop, which was, Another just sad point. Uh, he ended up five receptions, 37 yards, but I think that that drop is probably the big um, unfortunate exclamation point on his day. And so uh, I guess I just don't really have a whole lot else to say good about the offense. Um, I'll pass it over to Zach on any of his thoughts here. I know we were texting about this but I didn't know if we ever really delved into it any further. And obviously that's what we're here to do now. But I thought it was interesting because we've talked about, you know, how Whipple likes to stage or not stage, but script out those first drives when Nebraska gets the ball on offense and how usually when we see those scripting uh, drives, it's usually like four or five plays. It's pretty quick. Never a bad thing by any means, but this one threw me for a loop because I think they said this one was nine plays long and, you know, pretty much 75 yards to the, uh, of the field. Maybe. I don't remember if it was that far, but um, I thought I was, I kept questioning myself was like, did he script basically 10 plays out in order to do this? Because, you know, is his script, has his script for that first drive always been that long and we've just succeeded in doing it quicker? Or was he, you know, was he scripting it? kind of on the fly, which obviously to me set up false hope because then my next my next couple notes that I took said uh, Chuba has looked solid so far, which at the time he had. <laughs> and then, you know, freezing then, cold take there. <laughs> and then uh, he, he didn't. So that was rough to see. And I don't know. The only comparison I can really come up with with compared to at least the quarterback situation for me was it's like a basketball game where the guy that's got the hot hand, you generally want to keep them in. And this goes for two, two different positions, which was Anthony Grant, 
which I was like, okay, he, he didn't necessarily, like he started hot and then came back a little bit to, to reality, if you will. And then, you know, we just suddenly like, he was still doing good. He was gaining three, four or five yards on, on a run here and there. Um, but he was running downfield. He was doing really well in that first half. And then all of a sudden we decided let's put in Ramir Johnson. Why? Like, I did not understand the decision. That's not a slight against Ramir, but like, Grant had the momentum. Why did we take him out? But that just goes on the questionable play play calling, I think, by Whipple. And then going back to the quarterback situation, again, Logan probably should have come in a heck of a lot sooner because the question mark was always, well, Logan can't throw the ball. Well, yeah, when you're nervous coming into a game with 90,000 fans screaming at you, sure, you're not going to be able to throw the ball well right away. But if he would have had the chance, you know, on some of those drives earlier to maybe get into a groove, we saw him make some really good throws. Why didn't he get in there earlier? And again, I mean, I mean, Chuba looked really good for the first couple drives because obviously we got 10 points out of the deal. But then it just shot right down from there. So I don't know. It was just rough to watch because uh, I was actually hanging out with my in-laws this weekend and my brother-in-law specifically even said, he's like, but we're Nebraska. We're a first quarter team. And I, in the back of my mind was like, I don't know if that's entirely right. Cause I know we've seen a good half from the team. Uh, but then he was a hundred percent right. So like, <laughs> dang, good call. <laughs> and you could just see it though. Like the first, the first couple drives, you know, we looked like we knew what we were doing. And then all of a sudden it was like either we took our foot off the gas or the players just, I think this was alluded to in maybe one of the press conferences by the players afterwards that they started getting comfortable. Oh yeah. Caleb Tanner. Mm-hmm. And now <laughs> I've been a Nebraska <laughs> fan for a while. And if I've learned anything, it's that we are, have never been the team since the nineties to say, Let's get comfortable like mm-hmm. like maybe early 2000s. But like wh- what? How did that mindset come about? But, you know, I a tale of two halves is about the best I can come up with this because the one thing I mean, the offense at least kind of looked semi competent in the second quarter. It definitely stalled out, but it at least looked like they had some, you know, they had some fire. They were still playing, but you know, once once the second half started, you could tell that they just didn't have it anymore, and it was it was rough, and it was not a fun game to watch. So, with that, I will pass it to Andy. So, there's a stat that I'll lead off with is the one that probably disgusts me the most is from about the eight minute mark in the second quarter to about the nine minute mark in the fourth quarter. Uh, Nebraska had six offensive possessions, all three and outs. And Logan was in for one of those, but the others were Chubba. So that is, and at that point when we were up in the second quarter still, I mean, you're still up 10 to nothing. And it goes kind of back to the comfort point, Zach, of, Minnesota was going to do what they were going to do. 
and Mickey had said this after the game too, is they're not the type of team to panic in a two score game. They're just going to do what they do and continue to do what they do, uh, which is just run and pound the ball, bleed the clock until they eventually come back. And, you know, they had scored 20 unanswered points at that point um, by the fourth quarter. So, you know, if you want to be a team that really wants to step on the throat and push, you know, the make Minnesota get out of their comfort zone, get out of their game plan and start to try to hurry up and get the points back. Then yes. One of those six offensive possessions, you need points in some capacity. And I think a lot of them were negative plays uh, that ended like the drive total were negative plays. So it just, and that, that this entire issue just kind of goes back to, you know, this disconnect between Mickey and Whipple, despite them saying that there's not because there is some sort of disconnect of who they want to play quarterback. I mean, Mickey had said after the game too, that, you know, they realized they should have played Logan earlier uh, when they noticed that Chubble wasn't seeing the coverages or doing well in these sorts of games. And at that point, I mean, like I get that you don't want to step on Whipple. Like he's one calling the plays. Obviously he knows, you know, the offense, but at the same time, you know, if Mickey wants to be the CEO head role type of coach, I mean, you have to be the one, you know, to make the final step decision and step in and be like, hey, this kid's not playing well, Whipple, I'm sorry, but we got to put Logan in because Logan, you know, has shown that he's playing better at the moment. Um, so who knows if Logan plays more than, you know, five, six, if he plays a lot more of those six drives that we went three and out on, you know, who knows if we could have scored more scored points, but you just, you got to give your offense a chance. And I don't think uh, either you know, coach was giving our offense the best chance to win that game because neither one of them wanted to step on each other's toes and make a decision of who to keep in. And I think that obviously in the end hurt us the most because um, they have been told, we have been told all week as like we've said before, Chubb is the passing quarterback, Logan, Logan's the running back, Logan can't throw the ball. Well, Logan clearly showed that he can throw the ball a lot better than Chubba on Saturday. So I don't know where this notion of, I would love to know what they're doing in practice that we aren't seeing that makes Chuba look better than we like what we're led on to believe. Um, it's just, it's baffling how bad our backup quarterback room is. And it goes back to the point of Chuba was brought in for Whipple and Logan was obviously brought in by Scott for Scott's kind of offense. So you have two completely different style quarterbacks in one quarterback room trying to learn one system. Um, obviously, we knew with Casey Anthony, like, yeah, Casey was going to come in. Not Casey Anthony, Casey Thompson. I keep doing that. Uh that Casey Thompson was brought in to pass the ball for Whipple's offense because obviously we have talked about all year that Whipple is a passing uh, minded offensive coordinator. So on one hand, I also think it kind of kills them that, you know, as the game flow goes that if you realize your quarterbacks can't throw the ball, you got to run the ball. So I don't know if some of that is too like, I'm going to keep passing it because that's what I love to do. Knowing that like Anthony Grant is a, good running back that can help you in these situations too so who who knows with all of that what will come at the end of it i know that probably at the end of it no matter if mickey's the head coach or if new head coach is brought in whipple is probably not being retained in any sort of capacity um i think it's shown enough that whatever he brought in is not working for him and 
I think the only reason that he was good last year is obviously you had a four-year starting quarterback in Kenny Pickett, and you had Jordan Atkinson, and a bunch of good players at Pitt where he was that kind of made him a better-looking offensive coordinator than he probably was. Um, But if you ever look at Whipple's history, that's just kind of his MO is it just takes time for his system to develop and get, you know, four year development players into a system to run it. Right. And obviously with Nebraska, we are not very good at doing that. And any sort of regard of developing players or coaching to their strengths or anything like that. Um, So it'll be very interesting to see, especially this upcoming week, you know, Obviously, we're going to wonder how Casey's health is and if he's ready to go. Um, but at the same time, if he's not ready to go, then like, are we for sure going to say, yeah, Logan's the starter Saturday? Or if we're going to hear any sort of that capacity this week? Because um, I think after Saturday, it definitely proved that Logan is the better quarterback at the moment right now. Um, you know, the only boneheaded play that he kind of, didn't make was I think it was like third and five or something like that where he had probably 15 yards in front of him that he just didn't take off and run and I know a lot of us were yelling run the ball which is like Logan that's your mo supposedly that's your mo of what we've been told like that's the one time you need to do it and you didn't do it so that's a baffling but that's also sort of the the inexperienced experience that he has because you know it's not like casey thompson you know playing you know 40 plus games like he has his entire career i mean logan's only played a small sample size of games so he's not also on the level of knowing that in-game experience of when i need to take off when i need to throw a ball when i need to make a play um so that's just that just all goes back to the offense just being kind of a cluster storm of crap right now because I don't think anybody knows what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, as much as I love Anthony Grant, I still think, you know, as much as he loves to be, I mean, there's a very clear difference between Anthony Grant Saturday and Mo Ibrahim Saturday. I mean, Mo is you get him the ball and he just hits the hole and he goes. And I think that is the running back that we want Anthony Grant to be, knowing that Anthony Grant gets more shifty than Mo is. But at the same time, there are still things that I'm like, Grant, like Anthony just has to hit the hole and just go forward and get a few extra yards rather than trying to weave around and make defenders miss. Um, In his defense, though, with that, mm-hmm. you know what? You know what? I Ibrahim has that uh, <laughs> Grant doesn't. Probably extra body weight. An offensive line. And an offensive line. <laughs> I mean, yes, I agree that he needs to hit the hole harder. I was saying that all during the game, too. But you, it was just, you can just tell the line disparity. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's is probably one of the worst O-lines oh, yeah. in Power 5 football. Just, just saying that. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I picked that up. I mean, Minnesota was a team that never panicked Saturday. I think the like even down 10 to nothing at halftime. I mean, they never once looked panicked on offense or defense because I think at the end they knew like, yeah, we have the better tools to get this done and see it through. And kind of like the mentality they have with Scott's teams is like, yeah, we're just going to sit back and we're going to wait for you guys to make mistakes or wait for you to implode and then we'll strike. And that's kind of what they did Saturday. Um, 
you know, with not uh, besides Chubb's turnover, there wasn't really too many mistakes per se that we made. We just couldn't move the ball. So that in its sort is kind of a mistake from the offense when obviously you don't score if you don't move the ball. So it's just it's it's just frustrating to see that like you you just have so much talent that you don't utilize and that you don't play to your strengths. And I think that's also, you know, that's just the learning curve that Mickey's going through as well as obviously he's, you know, first time game manager now with all this too. Um, so he's learning a lot of these, these new things too. And knowing that at the end, like Mickey has the authority to step up and make those decisions because it's not like he was, you know, a coordinator being elevated to a head coach. I mean, he was just a wide receiver coach in charge of a small group of people and not an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator in charge of overseeing everything and then being elevated up to the next step. I mean, he probably skipped two or three steps to be where he is now in terms of job elevation. So, I mean, that's a learning curve from him, too, that Mickey, you know, we'll just have to see as we go forward and how he learns about that. But. You know, outside of that, not much to take away from the offense outside of they're just they're bad. <laughs> they're, I did have one quicker. Bad. <laughs> I did have one quick point, and obviously I'll let you finish, Andy, but there was one quick point I just wanted to bring up because I know we were talking about it, just mm-hmm. the questionable play calling and the quarterback stuff. Oh, yeah. So I've got the play-by-play. I'm just looking through it here. Our first drive went for the touchdown. Our second one went for the field goal. Mm-hmm. Those were fine. But then after that, we had Chuba who led us for uh, 19 yards and six plays, and then we punted. So not a three and out, but I mean, you yeah. could tell like it was after it was after that where we started the string of that one. Yeah, like that was where you could see it. And then the next one was another one with Chuba where we went for a total of minus one yard, mm-hmm. and then we had Chuba again, and we went three yards and three and out. And I'm like, in my head, I remember even saying this out loud while we were watching the game was now would be the time because the that was right before uh, the half ended or like Mm -hmm. the the Minnesota took the ball and then they, you know, finished out the half. Um, But I thought at halftime, I was like, this is the perfect time to bring in Smothers because it's a Mm -hmm. fresh half. It's it's totally unexpected, probably for. Minnesota because they got the ball at after the half. So they wouldn't know what we were going to do right away in offense. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's a surprise. You don't know necessarily what Logan's got. Let's get him into a groove. No, <laughs> we brought Chubba back out again, which he then decided to again, go for three plays for four yards. And then we brought in Logan Smothers, which he didn't really do anything either at the time. But I, but what he did do is he got us 20 yards. So it's like, okay, maybe there's the spark. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we brought Chubba back in. I don't understand that. And like I said, I, I know it's not a great comparison using basketball and football, but like you see a guy that's got a hot hand. And I understand 20 yards is not that hot you know, on a three and out. Mm-hmm. But like that was more than we were getting in the past four drives. Mm-hmm. Why did we not just stick with it? And it's like, yes, there's going to be growing pains, but you can't just give up on the guy when he doesn't get you an automatic first down right away. Like, <laughs> I I did not get it, and I I was I was fine with Chuba for the first half, but I was like, okay, he's stalled. We need something different. But I I you know just 
for people that may not have seen the game or didn't know necessarily the play-by-play, I felt like that kind of context is interesting because watching this kind of stuff is just frustrating. It's I agree. It's the the same point of the consistency. I think that's what, you know, I noticed more about Minnesota than anything else. Obviously, you know, they had to put in the backup because Morgan got hurt. But at the same time, you know, you look at Mo Ibrahim, who obviously we knew going in, he was going to torture us, whether it was long plays or, you know, just the short yards after contact uh, place that he does well at. And yeah, I mean, what he had 32 rushes for 128 yards and two touchdowns. Um, You know, that's just what Mo does. And I think that's the biggest difference between our offense and their offenses. You know, you just got to let the guy get in a groove and just keep him going. And that goes back to your point, Zach, of the random Ramirez that we saw, you know, I get that Anthony Grant, you know, kind of needs a workload break too. But at the same time, I mean, if you're taking him out every other series to play another running back, I mean, Anthony, like he's not going to get into a groove and he's not going to get the momentum and just, you know, give him the hot hand and feed him the hot hand because he's in a groove. I mean, that's, I think, what Minnesota does so well is they just stick with the guy and he's eventually like we knew Mo was, you know, the first half we held him to what probably like 15 yards. I think Yeah, is what 15 yards. And I mean, it's like that's a huge for the nation's top five leading rusher. And obviously, as the after the first drive of the second half, and I'm like, okay, they're gonna kind of wake up. And we knew at some point, whether it was the first half or second half, Mo was going to get his workload and get his touches in, and eventually just choke our defense out. And we saw that. And I think that is kind of the issue that Nebraska struggles with right now is we do not have the offense does not have an identity. We do not have an identity to, you know, go down and run. It give Anthony Grant 30 plus rushes a game. We don't have the identity that we're going to throw it 50 plus times a game like O'Connell and Purdue. Um, we just, we don't have an identity. And I think that is what is hurting our offense. And obviously that goes back to the top of the leaderboard of Whipple being in charge of that. Um, it just, that's the part that I think kills the offense is we don't know who we want to be. And we're just throwing anything up there to see if it sticks and if it works. And that's only going to get you so far. Um, obviously, the Purdue game was just throw it to Trey, and hopefully it works, and it does work. Um, but even go back to the Rutgers game, I mean, that was also a bad offensive game, and we were lucky to squeak out of there with a win as well. Um, I just, it's just, it hurts to see that we can bring in all this talent and yet just be a total pile of doo-doo. Uh, Real quick side note, though, just because I love the way you said it. Can Mm -hmm. we now associate any time, any play that Ramirez is in, call it the random Ramirez? Because that was amazing. (laughs) That is 100% what that needs to be called now. It's it's baffling. That's what it is. When, like, there is no clear cut of when they put Ramirez in. It is not like it's every other series. It'll be like you know, just one series in the middle of the second quarter. And then we never see him again. And no, like... no, no, no. There's, there is a clear point and it's the worst <laughs> one. It's as soon as Anthony gets hot, that's when right. we decide to put him in. And that's, <laughs> that's the part. It's like, I get, you need to like game manage and load him because you know, him and Mo Ibrahim are two different people. Obviously Mo's been doing this for a second straight year of just being this work belt, like this cowbell running back. But I, 
I don't get it. You take him out when he gets in a groove and when he gets hot. And I'm like, that's not the time to take him out. It's like you make Minnesota's defense stop him. And once they stop him, then you start to change your identity and start to adjust and adapt. But Whipple has proven that he's not very good at adapting. So I don't I don't know. I'm going to start yelling here pretty quick if I don't get off this point. <laughs> uh, but with that, uh you know, unless I get fired up about Whipple again here pretty soon when we fire him into the sun, uh, we'll talk about the defense. I'll pass it over to Nate. Ding, ding, ding. I hear another fire into the sun candidate. <laughs> 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 but uh, defense wise was another tale of two halves where we had a fairly solid first half, really. I mean, I don't remember the exact number total that they gave up for um, offense in the first half, but it was I want to say it was under 100 yards total. Um, But I mean a first half shutout, up 10 nothing going into halftime. You can't really ask for much more from your defense. Mm -mm. You know, our offense still wasn't stepping up, but our defense did did what they needed to do. Got Minnesota into a lot of those uh, third and short situations but they got the stops on third and short and it wasn't really an issue and they for that first half looked like a competent team like a team that might be at least uh, flirting with black shirts looking into next year <laughs> but there uh, there was a stat that I saw I don't remember the exact stat to a T but I think it said like Mo Abraham was like 88% or something of that nature of converting like third and less than three yards on the season. And I know there was one where like Caleb Tanner stood him up on a third one and dropped him. And I was like, Oh man, like if you can stop him on like these third and short situations, like this defense has a chance to go a long way of containing him the rest of the game. And they did in the first half. Yeah. And I'm guessing part of that had to do with the fact that, Tanner Morgan didn't really look all that great, and I'm sure part of it was our defense stepping up, but I'm not sure how. <laughs> he, uh, he must have dropped off a lot, because I swore he was a lot better than yeah. he was Saturday. I still think he's probably better than he played Saturday, but hmm. he, he did not look very good Saturday at all. Yeah, and maybe, maybe playing injured still, I don't mm-hmm. know, but... Uh... Yeah, he didn't look too great, and I'm sure our defense noticed that and tried to just play the run a little more uh, proactively. And then the second half happened, unfortunately. (laughs) And Mo Ibrahim went off for uh, the rest of his 128 yards, two touchdowns. They brought in the backup quarterback, Cali McManus, and boy, did he not have too much trouble picking apart our defense. (laughs) Uh, I mean, hurts, there were there were a couple lucky bird. throws, a couple lucky passes he got uh, some help on, but uh, overall, he, <laughs> he he looked like an all star quarterback out there against our defense, and we couldn't really do anything to stop him um, or Mo for that matter. So once they got uh, the passing game going a little more, I think that opened up the run game for him a lot more as well, and. Uh, I'm guessing part of it is we, even though we had, I'm sure we had film on uh, the backup, I'm sure the defense wasn't necessarily prepared to go against him. 
and it kind of gave him a different look because he he is more of a running quarterback, uh, mobile quarterback that can kind of stretch the field like that. So, yeah, the defense didn't exactly have an answer and ultimately gave up 20 points in the second half. So, <laughs> again, that, that tale of two halves where it's, you know, we, we just got to finish a game and you can't get all this momentum and then just completely throw it away. Even if you get punched in the mouth coming out of halftime, you still got to just readjust and center yourselves again and go out there and play some sound defense. But we didn't do that. And the rest is history. (laughs) So, uh, but besides that, they didn't necessarily, I don't know. They aren't the reason we lost the game. (laughs) Right. That is, that is more so on our offense, but uh, the defense, Defense did hold their own for the most part. 20 points still isn't necessarily a whole lot. And we were still very much in the game until the end of it. But uh, unfortunately, just couldn't quite pull it out there. So those are kind of my quick little thoughts on the defense. I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach on anything he has. Andy, I know you already said this, but it's our defense is an exact example of seeing a team that has an identity. And like you said, Minnesota never once looked nervous. I I think the only time that they may have looked anywhere near nervous, and I say like maybe a little, was when Tanner went down. Uh, uh, Tanner Morgan went down for that little bit, and then they pulled him out. But like, I cannot stand PJ Fleck like like most of Nebraska. I think can't. But the one thing you can give him credit for is he's cool, and he might have been he might have been freaking out on the inside. But you'd never let him. He could never let him. He won't let you know that. I don't know why that was so hard to get out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but thankfully, coming back to the defense itself, I've initially cooled since yesterday on this because I was fired up and not happy with the defense. And then I remembered that that's what Minnesota does. They they run, run, run. And then they get the first down and then they run again, run again. Oh, there's a pass randomly run again, run again. And it's just, and it works and they're good at it. And we knew that's what they were going to do. And it, it is really, really hard to stop Mo Ibrahim or Ibrahim, however you say his name. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's not easy. And he will probably be playing in the NFL really soon. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is a really good uh, running back. Jeez Louise. Um, But once again, I also say Nebraska has the innate ability every time on defense to make a backup look like Brady. And I think that should honestly, I know we have all sorts of cool sayings hung around the the stadium and the locker rooms and stuff for players, but you know, they should take this one down and use it as fire to be like, Hey, let's not do that because you know, like don't make the backups look like Tom Brady. Just don't do that. And I mean, we did okay against Caliak Manus, but mm-hmm. it was not, it was clearly not good enough. But again, I, and Nate said this already too, the defense did not lose us the game, which sounds weird because yes, they gave up 20 points, but how can you expect the defense to play at top level the whole game when they're on the field 80% of the time in the second half? Of course they're going to get run down. Uh, and not only that, the defense did at the end come back and give us that shot at, at the last you know few moments to to have a shot to come back and tie the game up. Um, 
you know, they got the stop when we, they needed it and made him punt. So, you know, while the defense didn't look great, at least I will say that Bill Bush made them look like they had some kind of idea of what was going on. And they looked like they looked like they had a lot more confidence, at least for sure in the first half. Um, I mean, obviously we pitched a shutout in the first half and the second half, I think it was just a tale of they got worn down when you have your offense going three and out and burning, uh, just out of curiosity, just over a minute off the clock, you know, each time. Uh, well, there was one drive of ours that lasted 56 seconds, which is even worse. And so like, what, what do you expect? And then from there, you know, Minnesota had 10 plays on their first drive that led to the field goal. And then they had another one later that was six plays and then nine plays. I mean, this just further accentuates the point that (laughs) they run the ball and they knew what they were doing and they, they were collected and calm and they did it. And they knew that our defense was going to get tired again. I don't blame the defense for the game being lost because obviously when you have an offense that can't move the ball beyond 20 yards at a pop, what do you do? Um, I mean, it, it was rough to watch, but, and I still, I mean, um, obviously losing Henrich is also being noticed because without him, you know, Reimer had to step up and I think you guys already touched on that, but he didn't look himself and, it's just our, our our whole team, like I think identity crisis is the perfect way to put it. I think we're just in a spot where we don't know what we want to do and it's killing us. But with that, I'll pass it to Andy. I don't have too much on the defense. I mean, a lot more of my rant was about the offense. <laughs> it still is. Um, I mean, yeah, the defense, like we said, first half, I mean, cheering, you know, getting a big Mac sack on the first drive was pretty cool to see <laughs> uh you know it's nice to see that you know we could get to the quarterback and actually make sacks in a game uh having three in the first half i don't know if we had any in the second half but uh regardless you know there's not a whole lot more to i want to touch on the defense just because it's like we like you both have said, you know, the defense did not lose the game for us. That was a hundred percent on Whipple and the offense and just them not being able to show and give credit to the defense because they played lights out. Um you know, the I think again the touchdown after the Chuba interception wasn't really on the defense because you're you know, you're already pinned at that point, you know. They could they've held them to a field goal, yeah, that would have helped a little bit, but you know, at the same time, when you're starting that drive within your own 30-yard line already, that's pretty that's pretty tough to stop them, especially since we kind of knew that <laughs> Mo Ibrahim was just going to get fed the ball until we could stop him. Um, and it showed that, you know, the defense got worn out eventually by that point. But, yeah, there's not, not a whole lot I want to say on the defense, just other that, you know, offense sucks. Defense was mature, I guess, in a term uh of that game but they didn't give up the plus 15 that we were supposed to lose by according to vegas so i guess win for nebraska covering the spread this week go i still thought that was a wild line (laughs) i was like really i mean i knew minnesota was better than us but i didn't think they were two touchdowns better than us and i mean we showed it (laughs) yes it was a wild line um obviously not uh 
not as bad as the upcoming spread will be this weekend but that's that's a point we'll get to just a little bit here but yeah what i wanted to kind of touch on here is more of less where we go from here uh it's evident that like i've said before whipple will not be retained regardless who of who comes in um i imagine i can't imagine even if mickey is hired that he'll keep whipple on his staff uh from what we've been seeing now, obviously, unless you have a veteran quarterback that slings the ball in Whipple's offense, it's probably not going to go well. And obviously having an offensive line helps in any capacity of no matter which offense you run. But it's something that I just, I've kind of pondered and thought about of, I don't, I don't know what to do from here and, like we've said before, I'm glad Trev is always making this decision and not us because I, I just would, I just, I just want an answer. Like I'm honestly at the point of this search already of like, I just want to know so that I could start talking about that. Um, I think the biggest thing right now is like, if we do think it's a Mickey, I mean, the part that we have to look at is who does he bring in for his staff? Um, and who does he keep? Who does he not keep? And I think that's that's like the biggest unknown to me about Mickey. Like from what we've seen so far, obviously we know he has the mentality. He has the emotion. He has the culture to get his players to do what they want to do and what he wants them to do. The biggest unknown with Mickey is obviously we've pointed out is, you know, just no head coaching experience at a power five level. We know he can recruit talent receivers and talent kids but it's a whole lot different when you're trying to recruit an entire team rather than a skill position um so you know you if you hire and like obviously that goes into hiring the staff and who does you who does he choose as a staff because who you choose as a staff is who is going to go out and help get those other position players that you normally don't recruit to and so like we've said before, I think obviously building around the line is the most important part right now. And that's the part that kind of throws me off about Mickey is like, are we in a position to gamble and give him this when we don't know what his staff is going to look like? We don't know how he's going to recruit when we desperately need any sort of, I like, yeah, we need some sort of identity and I have no idea like, obviously, when a head coach comes in, whether they're a defensive-minded coach or an offensive-minded coach, like, we kind of have an identity sense of what they're going to look like, depending on which side of the ball they came from. Like, with Bo, we obviously know we knew what Bo was going to be with his defense. We knew with Scott what his offense and what he wanted to run it. With Mickey, we have no idea what indi- like identity he wants to be in terms of offense and defense. And that'll come down to the coaches that he hires as his coordinators to come in and bring us that identity. So I have no idea like what that even it's like is going to mean for us. And what is that going to look like for Mickey going forward? Um, and it's, it's tough to say like, Oh, we're going to see you in the next three games. Like, no, we won't. We're just going to see Whipple run his offense for the next three games and then call it good for his time at Nebraska. Um, I feel very confident in saying that Whipple is not going to be back uh, in any sort of capacity next year. Um, you know, if we had rattled off six wins or you know, however many wins we are after Mickey got hired, 
Um, if they're all wins, then I would probably be more confident. Like, yeah, Whipple might stay around next year. Mick will be the head coach. But looking forward, I mean, you have the next three toughest games, especially Saturday is going to be really tough. But I mean, Wisconsin's looking better now. Iowa has suddenly got better on offense. So, you know, these next three games are not going to be a cakewalk by any means uh, for offense or defense. So with that, I mean, we'll just I'll pass it to Nate here. We kind of just delve into, you know, what coaches you would like to see, what, you know, if you want anything out of Mickey, you know, what do we look forward uh, for Michigan? Yeah. So I think my uh, <clears throat> short list for coaches hasn't changed a whole lot. <laughs> I'm still on the Dave Aranda, Lance Leipold, Mickey Joseph train. Um, I think Mickey could be the guy still. Uh, I think there's, certainly a lot of changes he would need to make but um i think he's he's got the good base to him uh very good culture uh that he brings to the program and the kids love mickey uh he's a great recruiter and a lot of the kids with the program right now are buying into what he's selling and i i think he could be good for the program moving forward i think it would be an all right fit i think uh, it'd be interesting to see who he would get exactly as his assistants, but um, I would be confident that he'd be able to make the right choices there and uh, get some guys in there that uh, align with kind of his vision for what the program needs to see. Uh, that being said, I uh, also would understand if we didn't go the Mickey direction as well. So there's certainly um, some managerial things that he probably just isn't, necessarily used to um like you mentioned coming from being more of a ancillary coach to being the head coach uh, is a big step up and uh, just ranking from where he was and so i'm sure there are some things he's learning on the fly and isn't necessarily as accustomed to that are kind of going to go against him but uh it's it's all things that i guess just come with the learning process and the growing through that so um but other than that, yeah, I think Lance Leipold would be a good option. Bringing Kansas to their first bowl game in a while. <laughs> Since, do, what, 2008, do, right? Do we want to talk about that awful stat? <laughs> I mean, we might as well. Bring it up. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just, I'll just rip the bandaid off real quick and then I'll let you finish Nate. But, uh, after, after the Huskers lost, there was a stat that came out. I don't remember who it was exactly, but they this said was after Kansas won. They said the here's a here's a fun fact. Every Power Five program has been to a bowl game since 2017, except for two: Kansas and Nebraska. Guess who's going bowling as official officially as of Saturday? Not Nebraska. <laughs> mm-hmm. What makes that even worse? And they didn't mention it obviously in the tweet is that Nebraska had a chance to go to a bowl game. And they turned. They said no. They didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. It's yep. like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's the Nebraska way. Uh, <laughs> it is one of one of many Nebraska abilities. So, um, but otherwise, uh, Dave Veranda's looking pretty good too. Uh, just came off a pretty big win against uh, Oklahoma this weekend. 
still has the ties with Mickey Bill Bush uh, to LSU that he could retain them on his staff. And that could be, could be an interesting fit. I think uh, if Mickey were to want to stay around, I think that'd be, could be fun to run it back with him uh, and Dave Aranda as the head coach there. But uh, that's kind of my thoughts on potential coaching candidates as of right now. I'll pass it to Zach if he has any anything different or anyone different on his mind. Not really any different than what you had. Um, I think our wide list, our wide net of coaches that we potentially could have gotten has gotten smaller now, especially now with other uh, coaching positions opening up. You know, I, I think we're not going to be in the running for as many people as we were when we got rid of Frost. Um, but I guess my top three are very similar, or very close to yours. Uh, I went back and looked at my text, and here's what I said, which obviously I had maybe a beer or two too many at this one. Um, I said Aranda what? is my... No. <laughs> <laughs> I said Aranda was my number one. Um, well, okay, so I kind of... is two two parts here. Uh, I think if we're going to shoot the moon, then obviously you go for Lane Kiffin or Luke Fickle. However, I say that I just, I don't see them coming here. Um, I mean, maybe Lane. I don't see Fickle coming here, but anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one was Aranda then for, I think, reasonable coaches, but he's an interesting case because apparently Steve Sipple from the, you know, for, uh, I think he was on three in Journal Star, but he's on three now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said that Aranda is no longer in the running, but if anybody that's followed head coaching for any amount of time knows it's all smoke and mirrors until the paper signed. So I'm not going to say Aranda's out yet. And he's still kind of the guy that I think would be really good here specifically because of the connection. Like you guys said to Mickey and Bill Bush, who again, I've stated that I think Bill Bush should also stick around. Cause I think while the defense doesn't look amazing, it definitely looks different than it did under Chenander. So I think he's been a good, a good change. Um, and my number two, I said was still maybe Mickey, but that's like a very, very weak two. Um, and I said, I'd put Matt rule at number three. I don't know still about that one. I I don't think Matt rule is terrible, but I, I just, uh, my point with the coaching thing is if you're going to use $15 million to fire Scott Frost, which we did, obviously, then you're also going to have to open up the checkbook to bring in somebody. And I don't mean, I don't necessarily talk the splash hire. I obviously have made this point throughout the whole season that we don't need a sexy hire. We just need a proven hire, which I understand goes kind of against the, the Mickey concept as well. But I think there's a lot to be said for what Mickey has shown as, as a coach. And I think if he brought in his guys, I think we'd have a much better shot at success because I do think he'd be a good head coach. And I do think he's going to get poached somewhere else down the line if he wants to, if he doesn't stay here. Um, But that all said, thankfully one, we don't make the decisions because you obviously people that have listened to us long enough would know I'd be emotional and be like, hire Mickey. (laughs) I still really like the guy, but after the Minnesota loss and you know, Seeing that he's like, yeah, me and Whipple are on the same page and, you know, maybe he's just trying to coach speak away from it, you know, just to just to get through the season. And then, you know, if he's going to get the job, then 
from there he's going to get people he can work with fine i don't know i don't i don't look i don't have any insight into that or what that's like but for me it i think he's still a good one but uh, you know if matt rule is my number three or was my number three i think i've changed that now um but i i i don't know I, I think uh, Lance Leopold would be on that list. And the worst part is, is like these three are constantly shifting for me because mm-hmm. I still really like Mickey. I think Aranda is by far the best get we could get reasonably. Um, that said, if Lane Kiffin or Luke Fickle decides, hey, they're going to pack their bags and move to Lincoln, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> sign me up. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the good news is that we're finally coming to the end of the season for multiple reasons. We're going to finally be done with another trash uh, Nebraska season. Unfortunately, I hate saying that. Um, but we're also going to finally have an answer to who who we got. And the other part that concerns me on the coaching search side of things entirely is not so much who we're going after. It's who have we gone after but struck out on. So like we won't know that either, and we probably will never actually know some of that. But it's concerning to me because Nebraska is not the prettiest job right now. There's a lot of good things about it, but I think whoever you're going to sell this to is you're going to have to sell it really, really well to. I think Trav's got his work cut out for him. But with that, I wanted to swing back because I know we haven't fi- officially talked about it yet, guys. <laughs> but we need to officially pin the fire. You know, we get to get the rockets ready and put somebody in that front seat to fire them into the sun because we haven't done that yet. <laughs> and since I'm on the point, I'll start. That one this week goes to Mark Whipple. Yep. I don't know if you guys got anybody different, yeah. but it's like a combination of what I wrote down there. Um, Yes, obviously Whipple deserves the driver's seat this week. Um, <laughs> I think the second through fourth quarter offensive line uh, is deservedly so for that. Uh, Chuba, yes, it's very easy to put Chuba in that situation and say you can fire him into the sun. How much of it is maybe he's just not as good as we thought he was. Um type thing but i i think for sure if i had to pick a de facto for sure number one it would be whipple yep i think i'm in agreement with that as well uh a lot of questionable play calling a lot of uh questionable personnel calling yeah i I think we could easily fire him into the sun (laughs) i think the only one that i disagreed with uh on the list of people we had because our list that we have for those that obviously cannot see it um (laughs) Our Whipple, Chuba, and then our <laughs> two through four quarters <laughs> offensive line. We really liked him in the first quarter, but <laughs> take that, take everything else and fire that in the sun. Uh, the only one I was like, I not necessarily disagreed with, but you know, Chuba was right. kind of set up for failure, and you know that like, ties it's, to Whipple. So. It's easy just to say so because he had probably the worst game out of anybody in the offense. So it's like it's easy to just pick him because of that. But is it like really his fault? Like you said, Zach, like he was put in that situation probably to fail. I mean, it, it is still his fault because he played a poor game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can't take that away. But he, you know, I, I, he's the farthest down on the list of fire into the sun this right. week. So, um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, with that, I suppose then, we, you know, we fired our candidates into the sun. Away they go. Uh, let's <laughs> let's now 
let's now come back to Earth really sadly and talk about Michigan. Uh, I don't know if we want to, but... Uh, <laughs> I, don't think, I really don't think there's a whole lot we have to say here. Nope. I'll, um, you, I'll pass it on to yeah. uh, Andy for you. It's a 2.30, another afternoon kick this Saturday, uh, again on national television ABC. So, you know, this also could have been big noon kickoff, so I guess kind of a win that it wasn't but either way uh spread i think that we saw today was uh minus 28 michigan so that is uh fantastic there but already up to minus 29 now oh cool even love that more <laughs> but... and just wait if casey isn't coming back this week it's gonna get bigger <laughs> yeah probably i think yeah i think for sure that line will shift if casey is like oh if they say sometime this week casey will come back think that line shifts a little bit probably more to a three score game than it is a four score game right now but nonetheless nebraska is going up against uh top probably top four team now after the uh tennessee loss so they'll probably move into the top four uh of the playoff rankings at least but facing another juggernaut of a defensive team uh this time michigan is now the number three team in the country <laughs> going into this game so yay us um offensive wise you know we kind of know that they have another top leading rusher in the nation with blake corum who uh is probably going to do exactly what we've seen with the other two running backs the past two weeks that we have faced is just they're going to run and gun it down our throats until we can stop them i don't know if we will <laughs> if, if we play like we did the first half all four quarters there's probably a chance we stay in the game doesn't mean we'll win the game but uh just goes to show that uh we have our work cut out in front of us uh going into michigan uh you know i think kind of what one of my keys that i wrote down to this game is if we have to get any sort of like moral little victory out of this is I think I just want to see consistency on the offense. Um, whether that's, you know, you know, if you sustain drives, but you kind of punt or settle for field goals or, you know, eventually score a touchdown. I think that's some sort of moral victory. It's just seeing some sort of offensive consistency rather than, you know, a bunch of three and outs throwing in Chubba or Logan if Casey's still hurt. Um, kind of have a, an, uh, a not a really good game plan uh, like we did for uh, against Minnesota. So I think if the offense, if they can just kind of stick to a game plan and they execute it about as well as you can against another top ranked defense, um, I think that's kind of the little positive moral victory I think I want to see out of this team. Um, obviously, if the defense can play all four quarters like they did the first half, against Minnesota, um, that'll also be another victory. But overall picture, I think if the offense can just, you know, keep its head down, just stick to its game plan and get your broken plays, get your little victories that you can, um, I think that will be enough to not get absolutely slaughtered on national TV. <laughs> well, that'll pass it to Nate there. Yeah, I think... Uh... <clears throat> Unlike the more fun lane train, we're going to be running into the pain train this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, Michigan's a pretty pretty solid team. Top four or five in the nation. Probably going to be top three by the time we're starting to play them. Blake Corum, another, yeah, like you mentioned, your Heisman running back. Defense 
number three in the nation. I don't see this one ending too well for the Nebraska Cornhuskers unless uh, Harbaugh decides to have some uh, change of heart and be a nice guy. <laughs> but uh, I don't see that happening, unfortunately. So, uh, as you mentioned, not not terribly optimistic uh, for what we'll see. But what I'm hoping to see, I guess, is just who is still fighting in the game because mm-hmm. it's more likely than not going to end up one of those blowout type games. I personally don't think it's going to be particularly close this week. Um, and so just really seeing who steps up and plays all four quarters and has that fight in them to go out and play a full four quarters, even when they know they're not going to win the game, and even though, even when they know they're just going to be kind of continually getting bullied um, on both sides of the ball. So I'm really looking forward to see who who really steps up and who falls into that position and mm-hmm. who can show that maybe set the tone for the rest of the season, but also kind of moving into next year as well. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to see um, out of the game. I don't know if you have anything uh, different, Zach, or pass it over to you. Not different, but I do kind of have an overarching point that I'd like to make. And before I get into that, I figure maybe let's do our predictions and then I'll kind of talk more about Michigan and just kind of maybe my thoughts of the overall state of the program right now, Um, if you guys don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But since we're on me, I'll start with my prediction. I'm not, I'll, I'll get into my thoughts on Michigan here in a minute and not even really that. I'm just... There's, there's kind of a point that I, I wrote down a whole thing for that I thought should be said and maybe addressed that I thought was really good and really reflective of kind of how maybe Husker fans feel. Um, so for me, uh, fun fact also, because we didn't mention it, uh, the over-under for those betters out there is uh, 52 for this game, according to ESPN. With a 29-point spread. So, <laughs> so Nebraska will probably score a touchdown in garbage time. If that. Uh, yeah, if that. So, uh, you know. Which, like we said, this all these points could change, too, if, you know, they say Casey's healthy and is going to play Saturday. We could see yeah. some, we could see those lines shrink a little bit, but, like, it'd probably still be a three-point game or three touchdown game if even Casey's healthy. <laughs> yeah, and um, they, they've they gotten 42 points per game and only allowed 12. So not looking great for the Huskers, but <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be a little optimistic and say I think garbage time is going to be kind of nice to us, and I'm going to say, oh, let's see here. Oh, where did I want to land? I'm going to go with uh, 14 for us and 52 for them. <laughs> I think they're going to, I think they're going to, I was going to be pretty close to that. <laughs> uh, I'm ba- I am basing my pick solely off the fact of that Casey will not play. Uh, and just going off the fact that the offense will still be run by Logan and Chuba. So I'm going to go uh, 45 to 14 Michigan. Okay. I think I'm going to go with hmm, I'm thinking 42-17 backdoor cover. Woo! (laughs) Nate, always the optimist. (laughs) 
he, he didn't specify if Michigan was winning. That means Nebraska's <laughs> winning. <laughs> that's that's really the optimism. Man. You know he said Nebraska backdoor cover, but he still didn't specify Michigan was winning. <laughs> when he said backdoor cover, he meant we're going to sneak in there and take the dub, man. Right. <laughs> Lucky him. Michigan's going to backdoor cover. <laughs> <laughs> um. So unless you guys have anything else, I figure, you know, I can we can bring up one quick discussion point that maybe maybe you guys agree with, disagree with just, you know, something that I thought I felt on Saturday and maybe we'll, we'll say maybe we'll, needs to say. I'll find out if I agree or not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, This kind of goes back to two points that we've already talked about, uh, one being the, the Jayhawks going bowling. So we are now officially the only team that has not been to a bowl game since 2017. And it goes into the point that Nate just said where he wants to see who's still fighting on the team um, against Michigan. Um, You know, that's a good key to the game because as a fan, it's hard for me to say it, but I'm almost apathetic. If I'm basically apathetic to the program anymore and growing up as a kid, I, you know, regardless of, if we win, you know, the, the running saying in college for me was always win or lose, we still booze. And I, I understand how kind of dumb and corny that is. But, you know, at least when we would lose back in 2012, 2013, outside of a couple with Bo Pelini, obviously being outliers, at least we looked like a team that knew what the hell we were doing. And at least we had players that were fighting for their head coach. You know, that's one thing that I remember every player afterwards saying was, Bo Pelini shouldn't have been fired because he knew how to connect with the kids. And so me being apathetic is not really, it is what it is. And I mean, I understand there's a lot of diehards out there and I unfortunately am still stubborn that I will still be a diehard, but you know, I I don't blame Mickey for this. I don't blame Trev. I don't blame really any of the current coaches, even though we did fire Whipple into the sun, they were put in a shit situation. You can't really, you can't really blame them for that. I think the best is, you know, you're telling them to win the Daytona 500 with a Toyota Corolla. It's just not going to work. Um, and when I say Toyota Corolla, I'm talking from 15 years ago because it's obviously broken down and needs a lot of work. Um, but as I'm watching the players play the last few weeks, you know, you've got some standouts and, uh, you know, I, I'm putting the blame on this attitude that's permeated the program this carefree, this we don't give a damn attitude solely on the previous regimes, because you can just tell that certain players just show up and maybe they're done for the year. Maybe they're checked out. If that's the case, they just need to be either let go off the team or just benched at minimum, because the last decade, that's all we've seen is carefree and don't give a damn attitude. And it's really heartbreaking to see if players seem like they're just done for the year and they're not giving a darn about playing, then why should I, as a fan, why should I subscribe to the mentality? I'm going to tune in every Saturday and watch this. I want to be a fan and I will continue to be a fan because I'm too damn stubborn to let it go, (laughs) but I will continue to be a fan. But it's ridiculous to me to see coaches and players continuously say, we just got to get better but then do nothing to prove that they're doing it. Thus leading us to a situation where we're going up against Michigan as a 20, what was it? 29 point mm-hmm. underdog. Nebraska of yesteryear would have never accepted that and would have gone in there and probably somehow beat the team. 
But that also brings up my next point, which is probably where I'm going to lose a lot of people here, including maybe you guys, because so many people still to this day say, we need to go back to the way that we ran things in the 90s. No, <laughs> that is not the problem. That is not the reason we're losing. We are losing because we forgot how to play literally fundamental football. Basic ass things are not being done as a football team. And it's just like, forget about the 90s and how great they were for just five seconds. Nebraska is now officially the punching bag, a punching bag of college football. We are not a fun team to watch. We are not a good team. And we need, obviously, Trev's got his work cut out for him because whoever he brings in, that the reality is, whoever it is, it's time to tear down the expectations that we have as a program and rebuild from the ground up. I'm not saying to forget the history entirely. I'm saying take the expectations of getting back to that and just throw it out the window because we are not to the point where we can talk about winning the national championship yet at all. Shit, we're not even at a, at a point where we can talk about bowl games, and we can see that very clearly. And I'm talking the foundation, the rafters, the walls, all of it. Don't forget the history, but get rid of the expectations that we're going to get back to that, because right now we're not even close. Our history means nothing if you're looking into it three decades later. Just forget about the past in the way that you remember that it happened, but don't use that as your measuring stick. That's unfair to whoever comes in here next whoever the next head coach is i feel like trev and them need to say look we are focused on becoming a fundamentally sound football team and unless we hire someone that seems like they're going to make that splash and i don't mean the sexy hire i mean someone that's going to be a known quantity or at least known in the in the mentality department which is why i keep sticking with mickey that they're going to bring in players they're going to bring in ballers that want to that want to play, that want to play hard. They might not win the game, but they're going to play all four quarters without giving up. And again, I don't like calling out players, so I'm not going to do it here. But when you see specific members that give up on plays constantly, which we talked about last week and you saw it again this week, why should I subscribe to watching the game every weekend and just being in pain when they don't give a damn? I don't like being negative. I really don't because you know I, I love the Huskers. But it's also time to maybe face reality and realize where we're at. We've got work cut out. And as a fan, I think if you don't look at this program and see any of those things, or at least some of those things, and are still clamoring for the 90s, then it might be time to jump on a different bandwagon. That's my piece on it. Nope, you made some good points. Uh, I definitely think I agree with you that you know, we can't live in the past anymore. And I kind of saw, you know, just how delusional people will like were last year still saying like, Oh, we need to give Scott more time and give him one more year. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's not it anymore. You know, I, I still think, you know, they should have fired Scott at the end of last season instead of waiting until three games into the season. But you know, it's neither here nor there. What's done is done. But you know, I don't want to take too much away from your point. I, agree with a lot of what you said so i've said my piece on it and i'm sure there'll probably be more on it next week just because that's just how how this is gonna go until we hire somebody and i'm i mean it's it's been fun kind of like oh guessing who's gonna be who and who's like you know what rumors have you heard what rumors haven't you heard 
But at this point, I'm over it. I'm just like, just tell me who it is. Let's just get it over with so I can start talking about what we need to do for next year type thing. So we sound like we're about to quit doing this podcast. <laughs> I would just like to point out that's not the case. We might no. be apathetic and upset, but you know, that's because we really, really like watching football and the Oscars. So it, we're really hoping that next year gets us a little bit more excitement <laughs> to talk about here. You're right. That that is how the t- that is the tone that it comes off as. <laughs> but it's not what we're doing. <laughs> but yeah, we're well, just uh, in, baby. Ten years. Let's go. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll pass it to Nate. Uh, some final thoughts and wrap up here. Yeah, I guess all I'll say is uh, Nebraska is far from back, but uh, they will be. Whether it's one year, five years, ten years, eighty years in the future. That that euphoria Hello. that I'm gonna have when we can actually say <laughs> that we're back and I can actually mean it, and it won't be like a meme yep. thing. It's gonna be <laughs> glorious. It's gonna you mean be like the LSU day. picture when we're all in the front <laughs> row, when we're in the front row of the Husker Stadium and we're all on our walkers, like charging the state charging oh, the field God. i hope it's not that long that i have to wait to do it but i'll do it if it comes to that <laughs> i mean by that time all like whatever twitter might become at that point or whatever we'll probably all have it just like embedded in our heads or something <laughs> so we'll be able to like just go back and find it real quick in internet history and just be like look guys it's us <laughs> Uh, but that is, uh, I think, about everything I've got for uh, this episode. And I'd like to thank everyone who uh, continues to listen to us and continues to support us. Again, you can find us uh, on our socials at uh, Facebook and Twitter at Nebraska Willoughby's Podcast. Uh, go ahead and send us any questions or topics you'd love to uh, hear covered on the show. But until then... I guess I will just leave you with, if it's a possibility, it's an Nebraska ability. <laughs>